Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Good evening and welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. My name is Sue MacDonald. I'm the curator of the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals and these hours. This is the sixth episode, episode two. And these sessions, as, as many of you will know, were designed to provide some continuing professional development for midwives, for student midwives, for people who are in maternity services mainly in the UK, but I know we've got some listeners from all over the world. So welcome to everybody tonight. Um, and I hope you're going to really enjoy this evening. These um, are accessible at the moment live, and then this will come out next week as well. So if you miss any bits, you'll be able to catch up later in the week and even afterwards. And I'd just like to say a big thank you to Matflix. Um, this is the video streaming um, bit of this um, organization. These are the maternity experts, and this is where you get your CPD, your continuing professional development, and all your materials for revalidation. For those of you who are looking to revalidate or preparing, if you're really very efficient, this is where you can get some really good resources. And students, there's loads and loads of resources, and the trouble with it is there's so much you might have to just envelop yourself in it all and really enjoy it. Anyway, tonight I'm joined and I'm delighted to be joined by these wonderful women here. Um, we have Anna Barham, Dr. Iron Anna Barham. We've got Sherilyn Babolski. If I said that correct, you, you Sherilyn? Yes, thank you. Excellent. And Sarah Cordy. Hi. Hi, and welcome to you all. Now, we're going to have a discussion on educating tomorrow's midwives. It's not going to be dull. If in just in case any of you think education is dull, we are all passionate educationalists and midwives, so it's not going to be dull. Now, this is going to be an opportunity to really look at what's happening in education now. Okay, um, so you can, if you're a midwife, you'll learn a bit more about teaching and supporting midwife student midwives, and if you're students, you might just think, "Oh, I wish we could try that in our university," or you might think. That's my university. That's what we're doing. So perhaps I could start with a moment of the week. This is what a sort of historical thing we always do. Ask each of our speakers to just share with us a moment of the week. So perhaps I'll start with Anna, your little Hi. moment. Uh, well, I've had a few actually this week, but one of my main highlights has been we've been, um, as you may have heard last week, I, was, I, I had COVID and it's been quite a tricky time. But what's been wonderful is my son, Seamus, who's 15, has been making all of our food. So wow. he's wow. been at home as well. And so I've been really impressed because I come, he brings me cups of tea all the time because oh. I continue to, to teach online. And he's been bringing me supplies and then I go out and he's cooked roast dinners. Wow. <laughs> but it's That's been fantastic. really a big highlight for me to see him doing that for us all. Okay, midwives, student midwives, all listeners, 
use this as an example with your families. They need to be doing this for you. Yeah. And they need to look after their mums. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How about Sarah? Oh, my moment of the week, actually, I think was probably about 10 minutes ago when my little girl just came and told me how proud she was of me. And, oh, uh, oh. and did a little, I love you. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> and it's just a new thing that she started and it just made my heart big. And that's, I would say definitely, knowing my oh, friend, that's proud of me, that's my moment, moment of the week. Oh, definitely. beautiful. I hope you videoed it with your camera. I didn't know. <laughs> next time it's in your heart oh that's lovely <laughs> fabulous thank you so much sarah how about sherilyn so mine i made it onto campus yesterday for the first time i've only been on about three times since march wow. um, so that was really exciting to go in um, and teach clinical skills we did have to have the ppe on but you know back face to face and seeing my students back in and them all being able to see each other was really it was really good. I actually quite enjoy because I have quite a long commute, um, but I actually quite enjoy driving in. Um, oh wow! And going back, it's, it's good. <clears throat> you were all in in PPE. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, yeah. It's that's really good practice, isn't it? Even though it's very yeah. bit hot. It is, but I did yeah. tell myself it was only for a few hours and not a long shift. Yeah, like a twelve. You know, in a labouring room, yeah. So. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, thank you good. so much. Those are lovely, lovely moments of the week. So thank you very much for sharing those with us. That's fantastic. And at this point, I think with Sherilyn saying about the being, you know, on a 12 hour shift um, with PPE, I think it's a time we need to think about our colleagues in the NHS who are looking after people with COVID-19 in intensive care, who are recovering, who are, are being kind of rehabilitated because sometimes the, the pathway is quite tough afterwards. Um, and please accept our thanks, all of you, for what you're doing. And also our thoughts are with the people who've got family or friends who are sick or who've, who've lost loved ones and we think of them now at the moment and we sit, send some healing thoughts to those suffering from COVID or long COVID, which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks actually, but that's also something we're finding out more about now and it's very hard to, to cope with. And it's a difficult time and I'm very conscious with my colleagues here that you know there's bits of the country are going through restrictions and it must feel like you've been under restrictions forever. Um, but keep patient, keep with it. We'll we get through it together. We do need to be together with this. And again, a big thank you to the NHS um, workers, essential workers, and also all the people who keep the country going that, that often don't get mentions, like the rubbish men and like the postmen and like the delivery men and women who keep everything going. So big thank you to them, as well as the NHS. Now, I usually at this point move on to a little bit of news or bits of things we need to think about. And I'm, I'm very conscious that at the moment we're moving into flu season. So it's a time to get your flu jab and encourage women to get their flu jabs as well. There is um, guidance online on that if you've got any questions. It's now because we're coming to the end of October can't believe it but it's becoming to the end of black history month there's been some fantastic tweets and facebook bits of, on black history which have been really challenging and have 
certainly have made me think differently um, and have, have been worth seeing. So do have a look. If you're, if you're a tweeter, have a look. There's a fantastic one of Giselle Padman Payne talking about sickle cell and thalassemia and teaching virtually. And that was really interesting. That was just this morning. And just some of the, the bits that have come through to celebrate the contribution that Black Britons have made throughout our history, not just recently, but for a long time. It's also Breast, Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Down Syndrome Awareness Month coming to the end now. I guess the big news, and we were talking as, as, a, as with my colleagues here earlier, the big news has been the work of um, Marcus Rashford in raising awareness of the problems with vulnerable kids getting fed and it's been very heartwarming to see the response from local people, from even McDonald's, all these different companies rallying around to make sure, to try and make sure that kids are getting fed and also families are getting supported. And there was someone in the House of Lords talking this morning about how you feel that hunger and you never forget it. And I think we need to look after our kids and we have to look after the women who are looking after the kids because they're going to be feeling anxious and guilty as for no reason, but they, they've got to look after their kids. And of course, we've got the USA elections underway, a lot in the news about that. Some slightly crazy things for us. Final stage next week, I understand. And it's all for, for to be interesting to see what's happening there. Um, and just to say there's um, a resources page a few things to be added but that's going to be available for anyone who's watching today and um, there's some lots of rcm resources references from tonight's session which you'll be finding interesting there's also just to highlight a free spotlight on breastfeeding research 2020 ulster university are doing that on the 6th of november it's online as most things are at the moment. So it's wherever you are, you don't have to travel to Ulster. You, you get some fantastic speakers and fantastic sessions. Also, this year's UNICEF Baby Friendly Conference will be online on the 18th of November. And that's um, also online. And there are some um, discounted tickets, I think, for that as well. And it's coming up for Halloween. I don't think many people are going to be doing the sweeties outside and all of that this time. It, I think, I suspect it's going to be much more home base. All I would say is if you're using a pumpkin and cutting a little face out, remember to eat that pumpkin because they often are very tasty. <laughs> and that's my sort of um, eco warrior coming out. Don't throw that stuff away. Well, I think having done all those little bits and notices, as one would say, I'm going to move on to the main meat of tonight. Now, some people, some of you who will be watching may, like me, have qualified a long time ago. And you might have been trained in the olden days when you'd sit in lectures and you'd have prescribed program. Didn't have things like research necessarily as a big feature. You had, um, I, I can remember, actually, big six of us in a group which is a luxury nowadays to have such a small group but we I can remember being lectured six of us being told what to write from the board we wrote exactly what was on the board in our notes I'm not sure if it went through the brain at that point but it went into my notes 
and and nowadays we've got the benefit of research and evidence-based practice and that makes actually it's even more difficult for teachers there's a lot of material to get through to help students understand and apply to their practice Um, and so we're going to find out how they go about it not just in a very simple way but that a slightly revolutionary way maybe I might be wrong, but I think it might be. And I'm going to introduce our three speakers. We're very fortunate to have a, a little trio. We have Dr. Anna Byram, Senior Midwife Education at the University of Central Lancashire. In fact, they're all from the UCLan. And, and she's a researcher as part of the Thrive Centre at UCLan, evaluating continuity of carer. She's also director of All Four Maternity and publisher of The Practicing Midwife and the Student Midwife Journal. We have Sarah Cordy, a mum, midwife and lecturer. She describes herself as a vegetarian, veggie and a feminist plus a bookworm. And she was also (laughs) the first to go through case-based learning. And and she's also got a huge interest in infant feeding. And then we have Sherilyn Bobalski. I'm sure I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Bobalski, Bobalski, sorry. And who's a senior midwife, midwifery lecturer at UCLan. She's worked in the NHS for 20 plus years and higher ed for four years. And not surprisingly, she's passionate about education. And she's also a Yorkshire lass. So I'm going to hand I'm going to hand over the screen to my three wonderful colleagues. And I'm just going to luxuriate in midwifery education. The, the screen is yours, ladies. Hi, thank you so much, um, Sue. It's so really wonderful tonight to be here with my colleagues, Sherilyn and um, Sarah. And we're really excited to share the work we've been doing in midwifery education, especially the work over the last um, 12 years since we um, updated our curriculum, really. So we wanted to really talk about how we are working hard even through the challenges of COVID over this last year of the nurse and the midwife uh, to create coherence for students on our programme by offering person-centred midwifery curricula. And we work really hard to transform and progress education so that we can transform outcomes for women, birthing people and families. And we try where we can to engage in creativity and use our passion for midwifery and for women and families in everything that we do as a team. So it's really special to be here together. So the focus of this presentation, we're all going to take a section each. So there's three main sections. And we think because in the UK, especially at the moment, we uh, are all tasked with developing our curricula to meet the new future midwife standards. And so we're hoping that the things that we share tonight will be really meaningful and useful for other educators. But like you said, Sue, um, for students and and helping students to engage in the curriculum that they're involved with. So we're going to break the sessions down into uh, a background that I'll be sharing, the background to our current curriculum, our case-based learning curriculum. And then I'll hand over to Sherilyn and she's going to talk to you how we designed and implementing and continue to implement that curriculum and certainly how we're going to use it to um, meet the new future midwife standards. And then Sarah's going to talk about the impact that has as a student, but then also as you go out into clinical practice and beyond. So we hope that you enjoy hearing about what we've been doing with our um, education programme. So when we uh, had to 
revalidate our program every five years um midwifery programs in the uk will revalidate and there's an internal program of revalidation with the university but then the external validation that comes from the nursing and midwifery council and we've actually been waiting quite a while to revalidate since our last validation that was in 2012 because we've been waiting for the brilliant new future midwife standards so we're really excited to be able to update our programme of studies. But at the time when we wanted to develop the programme, um, we actually brought together a really big stakeholder group of uh, people that was made up of students, of course, women and families, um, clinicians and lead midwives, as well as uh, mentors, supervisors, assessors, and um, researchers and the ed educators came together and we really started the curriculum development in 2011-12, focusing on what do we want the future midwife to be? So what will the characteristics of that midwife be? And how do we need to direct what we do with students so that they can be there and offer fantastic care for women and families? So that's what, where we started with the outcome of the, and it's really great to see that the future midwife standards are very outcome uh, focused as well. So we feel really glad that that was the way that we approached our curriculum. We also focused around what we'd learned from delivering education for years to students at the University of Central Lancashire. We wanted to look back and we wanted to ask. And so we invited students to feed into us and give us information about what they wanted from their learning journey. And we, you can see here that the students definitely wanted more tutor support, pastoral support. They wanted a better degree of flexibility on the programme because midwifery programmes generally are full-time programmes of study. They wanted less PowerPoint, an increased holistic approach, more time for reflection and more group work. And most importantly, they wanted to avoid, we wanted to avoid as educators, people sitting in front of us disengaged. Hopefully not asleep, never asleep, but you know, that sense of how, how long can you actually stay engaged um, in the old fashioned, more traditional lecturing lectures like you, that you were talking about Sue earlier. Mm. And we came together with our researchers. We're so fortunate at UCLan that we work really closely with Professor Fiona Dykes, who um, led the Maternal and Infant Nutrition and Nurture Unit, but also Professor Sue Down, who runs the REACH um, research into uh, child, um, children and health and childbirth health. Basically, they have always developed their research around the concept of salutogenesis, which is about well-being orientation and the origin of health. And um, it actually comes from uh, medical sociologist Aaron Antonovsky. You can see him there with his pipe. And he said that basically um, he was interested in understanding not just the origin of disease, pathogenesis, which often frames a lot of medical training. He was interested in understanding what creates health and well-being, which is a slightly different question. So what generates well-being, the origin of health? And he saw that our health is a longer continuum between disease on one end to healthies on the other. And, and we want to work really hard as educators and as midwives to generate well-being and move women as far as they can towards the healthies uh, continuum. 
So what we feel, what we were feeling at the time when we developed our curriculum was that actually we tend to label women in our care um, in relation to their condition. So you might say, oh, well, I'm looking after the diabetic woman in room two or um, the teenager in room three or the twin lady. I've got the twin lady in room four. And we can label women in relation to their pathogenic orientation. And we wanted to try and move away from that in our approach to education. So we wanted to centre women um, in the context of their whole life continuum. So we know that women aren't just presenting with diabetes. They're also a woman, a mother, a family member. They've got busy home lives, working lives, and have a lot around them that will also impact on their well-being. So we wanted to develop a curriculum that was based on this idea of caring for the whole woman and her family, including her environment and life, and helping women and families to strengthen their sense of coherence. And this fits with Erin Antonovsky's work around salutogenesis that to generate well-being, we have to work at supporting people's sense of coherence. So just understanding what we mean by sense of coherence, we, we, he split this down into three components that help you to generate health and well-being. If you understand your life, if your life's understandable, comprehensibility, if your life's manageable, if you can manage what, what's happening to you and you have the tools and resources to manage it. And if most importantly, if your life is meaningful and the things that are happening to you are meaningful, then you will feel well. And what we recognised as an education team is not only is this a really good tool to help structure the learning for students and how they care for women and families, but we started to think this is great for us to think about how we support students because obviously as a midwifery educator, when you come into education from practice, actually, um, you know, you're replacing the women and families that you've cared for clinically with caring for people, students, student midwives, future midwives through their gestation of learning. And so it was really important to us to make all of our curriculum comprehensible, manageable, but most importantly, meaningful. So we've used it in a dual way to support students' learning and knowledge development and skills, but also the way that we care for them. So all of this helped us to narrow down. We looked for different um, curriculum models and designs and using that vision of salutogenesis and that underpinning philosophy helped us to identify an, an inquiry-based approach to our curriculum. So case-based learning is something that we identified. Um, it had been used in other areas for some of the modules, like at Hertfordshire University, they used it for one module within the whole programme. But we decided to to implement it for the whole programme because we felt that case-based learning offers a holistic review of real cases, helping students to meet women and families right from the beginning of their journey, even theoretically. It helps to consider the woman family experiences as connected and the group work, the small group work that Sharon will talk to you about mirrors practice and working in practice. So it helps students to develop employability skills, active and deep learning, it really encouraged social learning, learning in groups and together, and it, which creates this sense of community and belonging that's really supportive for students. It also helps to respect students' prior learning. A lot of our students come from previous careers and, and, and the non-standard um, applicants. So it, we felt this was a really great fit. 
So I'm going to pass over now to Sherilyn so she can talk to you about how we've designed and implemented case-based learning. Thank you, Anna, for that. So I'm just going to talk about the team's insights. So I'm Sherilyn Spolsky and I'm the senior lecturer um, and course leader on our programme at UCLan. Um, so I'm just going to whiz through, if you want to move the slide on, Anna. Um, so talk about how we kind of designed and how we actually implement that case-based learning that we decided to use going forward. So we didn't want to sort of throw out all the other methods of teaching and learning that you can use. Um, so we do incorporate all those and build upon those approaches. So we use elements of definition-based learning, but we tried to make it because it's not black and white, is it? And it's obstetrics and midwifery and maternity and practice in a clinical setting is very sort of, I know that Anna said it earlier on today, we were chatting, but it's dancing through the greyness. And I use that term quite a lot with my students, but it's always grey, it's never quite black and white. And we do want them to have solve problems and come up with solutions and find solutions to problems, but we didn't want the problems to be the focus of the learning and the focus of where they were, um, you know, what they were using to, to build on. Um, so they use some of that in some of the elements, um, but we don't use it as the whole main base. It's kind of interwoven with the case-based learning. So what we decided to do is we, we still had to have modules from a university perspective. Um, so what we did was we came up with sort of the three core main elements of the midwife in both her setting with working with women and families and how she would practice autonomously, how does that sit in a professional setting and in her professional role? And then how does that sit in a multidisciplinary team in that collaborative working and how does that, how is that defined? We then focused on the woman and the childbearing journey and what impacts on that um, from all angles, but also then thinking about the baby and the family and how that intertwines. So rather than teaching in an old sort of modular based setting where you would do separate modules that then would sort of all come together at the end when you qualify, what we do is we teach all of those modules interwoven together. So all those elements form part of each case that we use. And then to help the students to break down those cases um, and to have kind of focal areas that they need to concentrate on, we use sub-themes. So we've got these six sub-themes of anatomy and physiology, applied to midwifery, thinking about the ethics and law and professionalism, how do politics and policies um, and public health intertwine in that, where's the cultural sensitivity in that care, what's the evidence base and what's the theory and the research, what's currently going on in practice and how does that link? And then thinking about those transferable skills that the students have. So what, as Anna's already talked about, she talked about the curriculum and using the underpinning philosophy of genesis. So that is interwoven into every case um, and every student sort of always talks about that element and, and particularly linking that to not only when we're talking about facilitating sort of normality and physiology, but how that impacts on the complexity and the complex nature and how can we still have um, that salutogenic approach, even when women are, you know, in a more kind of pathogenic kind of um, pathway. Um, we then link that into our cases and we introduce our case-based learning. 
we need to make sure that our students feel prepared and that we introduce that theme, those themes to them. And those themes sit in every case that we do as we run through. And then they have the actual case themselves. So we break this down as a team. How do we manage that? So we still have module leaders who focus on sort of the assessment strategy um, and meeting specific learning outcomes that are aligned to those modules um, and thinking about um, the content and the content of the timetable and how it's structured. But what we will then have is sort of session leads. So how we sort of structure it roughly is that we use different cases kind of per week or so many sets of, of teaching days. So they have a case launched and then um, they have some theoretical elements and then they have some time to work on it and then they come back and sort of review that case and feedback the information that they've gathered. So that's done by the session lead who sets that up so that they will um, develop some of the resources and the package and align the case. Um, and so they'll populate the frameworks that we use for the cases. They'll organize the facilitators that are gonna facilitate those um, feedback sessions um, and they'll sort of lead, launch the case and lead that sort of collaborative working with the groups of students um, and lead those reflective sessions that the students do throughout the week. And then we'll have facilitators that will then think about the actual session, look at the themes and the core learning elements that were set for the case, ensure that the group meets the specific learning um, outcomes that were set for that particular case. And they'll also contribute to that setting and how we always set it out with the students is, we're in an equal partnership here, we're all learning together. Quite often they'll go away and they'll find something I haven't come across or I didn't know or I haven't just read um, and they can share that with me and I'll learn something and then I can add in, well, I think you could have gone down this way or you could have looked at that, um, you know, and we'll do that as we go along. And what we also then found as we've moved along through the programme that actually um, having cohort leads um, or sort of year leads was really helpful to kind of organise all of that. So they would take ownership of making sure that the whole programme knitted together because we're teaching all those modules all together at the same time using the cases as the um, underpinning. Um, so this is sort of how we came about it. We, we teach the whole curriculum um, and in order to get there, we use a blended learning approach. We use our cases that the students will go away and do and work in small groups. But we also then interweave those elements of some of the traditional where they do need to have a lecture or some core activities or workshops, or that might include skills as well. So that will include clinical skills that might align with the particular topics or the particular case that week. Um, and we'll also interweave um, it's had a, sort of a bit of a transition of being called different things. So we started off with journal club, then it became research club and um, it's become evidence club and it will be evidence club moving forward in our um, new curriculum as we move forward. Um, so the students are split down into small groups um, to work together um, and then they feed back to the other groups um, their particular elements. So this is just a little bit of a wheel um, and a cycle to show you how it goes. So they either have a new or an ongoing case. So in first year in particular, they'll sort of follow the same family through the whole of the childbirth continuum. 
um, in order to make sure that they're getting a really good grounding um, on all the sort of normal physiological processes. In year two, we tend to move into different cases each week, different families, um, different um, complexities um, and things that we would align with it. Um, and then in sort of year three, we utilize the women they're case holding, how it sort of sits at the moment. So they'll have these core learning um, sessions, as I said, along with um, that they'll then utilise some of that as well as going away and doing their own research. They'll then work individually on their section, but they'll be working as part of a whole group together. Um, and then they will then do this feedback um, where we all share their learning together and they will be given feedback both from their peers that they're presenting to or sharing their learning with and from us as facilitators. So the main purpose of this is that we understand what we're setting the students to do is quite high challenge. We want to challenge them. We want them to learn new skills. We want them to start learning how to present, how to put presentations together, how to use some interactive technology, how to design a quiz, how to present online, how to use a Prezi. Um, you know, all those, those skills, how to research and where to find good quality evidence and how to utilise that in an interesting way. But we also want them to feel really well supported. We don't want them to feel that we've sent them off and abandoned them on their own. So they are quite well supported by us from a pastoral perspective where we meet with them. I, and we did pre, even pre-coded, do kind of team chats on their director study days to check where they are, are we okay? Where's, is anybody struggling with a particular point or finding some particular evidence? But we also structure the format of the case that we give. We align um, links to current evidence or the most, or, you know, the big piece of evidence. And we think you really need to look here or you really need to look at this. And this is something that we think you should be reading so that they feel really well supported. But ultimately the outcome is that we have critical thinkers who are able to think critically, to think outside the box, to question why are we doing things? How does that apply? And ultimately bridge that theory practice gap because they're constantly then linking what they're doing in practice, what they see in practice, seeing women as a whole, um, to those, some of those theoretical elements that would potentially previously have been taught separately. So this is just a little snapshot of things that um, students have done over the years, and I've, I've got loads of them, but they, what they do is they come up with the most amazing and creative ways and, and ways to share that knowledge and information with each other and to learn collectively together that I would never, I would never have thought of even. Um, you know, we've had cakes to demonstrate the anatomy of the placenta. We've had games, we've had quizzes, I've had full whole game shows. They get very involved. Um, they set them up in teams. We have prizes, we're learning, we have quizzes. But we might also have presentations. We might have a post presentation. They'll design leaflets. Um, we do things, they do do things online as well. They'll present online or they'll do some acting or something creative. Um, and it's just really exciting to um, see what they can come up with. And I think crucially, what one of the things we do is we give facilitator feedback on a weekly basis almost, which is quite unusual because ordinarily you'd probably only get feedback as a student once you've submitted in a submitted assignment or even maybe a little formative one in between, but much more spaced out. Whereas they're constantly getting feedback from 
where they're at, how they've worked in the group, how they've done with their presenting, have they picked up a new skill, have they moved on from where they were last time it was their turn to present and done something new, they've tried something new, they've tried Prezi, but also thinking about the content of what they've delivered and they can then utilise that as part of their sort of portfolio gathering and their own kind of personal development and learning. So moving forward into where we're going with our new curriculum, um, the Lancet series came out, which we felt very much when it did come out that it actually aligned with what we were already doing, because this is how we were teaching our curriculum. And we were really excited when this became the underpinning of the new future standard, because it just reaffirmed that we were right to be doing what we're doing, and this is how we align our teaching. So moving forward into our new curriculum that we've just written, will hopefully get validated soon um, is that we want to sort of strengthen that practice and that continuity of care and carer and that will run through our whole program whereas previously in our what we currently do is it sits kind of in the final year um, as a sort of bit of a standalone element whereas what we want to do moving forward is that that is threaded through the entire program so that students begin that right from year one and, it, and it's kind of that thread that entwines through the whole of our curriculum and so then we've used the new future standards and domains to um, in, as those themes that we had before where we had three module themes we're now utilizing those six domains from the new future standards um, but also those are the sub themes as well and i hand over to the lovely Sarah. While this event is free on Facebook Live, on demand afterwards and as a podcast, it's not free to produce. You can support the Maternity and Midwifery Hour on Patreon now. You can sign up as a loyal supporter for as little as £3 a month or a little more to get content early and receive bonus content. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash midwiferyhour and give what you can afford. Your support is greatly appreciated. so much Sherry Lynn. Um, so I'm Sarah Cordy. I am one of the lecturers uh, in midwifery at the University of Central Lancashire and I am new to the team. I'm relatively new to the, the lecturing team and I've come straight out of practice um, and I feel really passionately about this type of curriculum because I was one of the first students in the first cohort to take up this type of curriculum um, as a student midwife. And I, I really, I've known nothing different in terms of midwifery training, um, but I can see really clearly the impact for learners and midwives and how student midwives becoming midwives and the impact on practice. So when I did midwifery training, it was a, a massive paradigm shift for me because I'd only ever known the type of learning that was previous to midwifery that was very traditional lecture-based, um, lecturer as the instructor as the instructor providing information that they felt was appropriate and um, so it was a huge paradigm shift for me to take on this new type of learning um, but I think it was it was really effectively done and one of the crucial elements of it and this obviously moves into practice is the fact that you have to cultivate really effective working relationships which is to me more than just team working it's about really 
growing and, and building relationships and how important that is in practice it begins in the training so in your small groups um, of case-based learning within the, the the group that you're working you have to identify each other's strengths and work to them um, and everybody has to take on different roles and so that really starts um, very early on in the training. Um, and as Sherilyn mentioned, the creativity and innovation that you have to come up with. So every week providing something new. And I think that again, this as a student was new to me, you know, you're not just taking this information in and writing it down to, to pass an exam. You're not doing that. You're having to really explore the information around it and present it to the rest of your group and the rest of your cohort. Sorry, excuse me, my screen's gone off. Is that happened to anyone else? Um, and the responsibility that you feel as a student to provide that information is, is important to the way in which you, you approach disseminating that information. So you have to be creative about it. So my experience of a student, when uh, you're providing that information, you have to really develop your critical thinking skills um, as Cheryl mentioned, you, you are looking at the research, looking at the evidence, and you have to think critically and, and develop your own critiquing skills. And that then moves into practice again, because you're looking at guidelines. So it instills that value of lifelong learning and that it's not just about the university experience and passing your degree. It's about the importance of keeping up to date with your knowledge and, and learning throughout the rest of your career. Um, the way that that you start out being brand new to this type of learning but your self-efficacy develops and in relation to salutogenic approach it's really important because it develops your your compre comprehensibility and your manageability and your meaningfulness all of that really helps with that approach to learning and disposition as it goes into practice so as I left practice and then moved in, uh, sorry, left uh, education as a student and then moving into practice, um, the things that I really noticed that CBL had helped with were leadership. And we see this in, in our newly qualified midwives at the minute, they're coming into practice already skilled in these lead, leadership and, and um, leadership qualities and the same with autonomy. They know how to gather the information and make decisions autonomously and um, being able to work in a multidisciplinary way. So having the, that relationship building that they've, they've already, uh, the skills they've already developed, they're able to use that and apply it to the team that they're working with, the wider team, the obstetric team, and um, other elements of the care that they've got to provide for women. Um, it helps to be able to support students straight away. And with the new standards, obviously that's a really crucial element. So being able to support students right from being a newly qualified midwife, because you've supported the rest of your group through their training, being able to provide family-centered care and that continuity approach that obviously is crucial coming into um, the implementation of continuity of care. Um, we've, as a student, you've followed a case through and you've already built that relationship and, and that translates really well into practice. As the, you've developed these leadership and autonomy skills, you're able to critique the guidelines that you're working within and whilst obviously maintaining your professional standards you're able to question things and think well why are we doing it in a certain way is can can we do things differently and what does the evidence say about this um, and I think that that we are seeing that that transformation of maternity services now 
Um, so then moving from practice into it, um, being an educator myself, having that experience in CBL um, and then in practice and seeing that I know that it's an effective way of learning and an effective way of practicing. Um, I, I know that the educator is not the disseminator of information. They're not the person who chooses what's important. Actually, the student needs to be in control of their own learning and the educator is the facilitator of that. So directing to resources rather than just providing the information is so valuable because then the student has to go and find the resources themselves, learn it and, and be able to then provide it to their colleagues. Um, human factors, I think this is something that we, uh, we it's important in practice, but also when you're providing um, education um, to the students, you need to recognise the interplay of relationships and how that can impact on both learning and practice. Um, so I think case-based learning really helps you to develop those skills too. Providing that sense of coherence. So if you think about it in relation to everything in life, and it goes back to salutogenic approach in every element of it, is it comprehensible? You know, yes, it is. Do we understand it? Is it manageable to the students? Yes, absolutely it is. And does it provide them with meaning? Are they taking ownership of their own learning? Absolutely, absolutely. And as an educator, you see the student developing and growing and, and developing confidence. Um, and, and that's really inspiring both, um, you know, as an educator and, and just as a human, as a, as a, as a person. Um, the sharing information, you know, we love to kind of see what, the, like Sherilyn mentioned, that the information that students find for us is amazing. You know, the, the resources that they go, we can direct them on and then the students can find incredible pieces of information for us to learn. For It's that cycle of learning between each other. And that, again, falls in with the equity. So reducing that hierarchy. It's not that one person knows more than the other. It's about what can we learn together and how could this approach help us to transform maternity services? Um, I think, in obviously, it's contextual and COVID has been really um, transformative in, in terms of remote learning. But our curriculum fits really, really well with this type of um, learning. So because the students were not already just receiving lectures, the type of learning that they're doing fits brilliantly with developing their digital skills. And as the maternity services go forward, we know that, it need, that we're moving into more of a digital world. So the type of learning that case-based learning provides them um, it, it just fits really well with that. Um, so I think that throughout the whole thing, you can see that starting right from day one, being a midwife is not just about being with a, mid, with a woman in, in labor or birth or in pregnancy. It's a, it starts with our students. And so we're being midwives to our students and we're being midwives to each other as educators. And it, it just flows all the way through right from day one. Um, we like to think of it like this. So I know Sherilyn's mentioned it's all interwoven together and it absolutely is. If we think of, of that, those relationships and the salutogenic approach as the gold thread and we just interweave it all the way through that right from day one to being with a woman at the end of their journey. Um, it develops your skills on a personal level. Um, I know it definitely helps with knowing that you can have a salutogenic approach to 
everything helps with personal relationships and coping and manageability, particularly during COVID when everything seems upside down. If you can fall back on that salutogenic approach and, and think about how can I make, how can I develop my sense of coherence here it really does help. Um, it's about ongoing personal development. So constant, that lifelong learning um, and staying within our professional ethical and legal responsibilities. Um, I think that the students develop that again, right from the start. So they can see the NMC, the NMC code is, is woven right the way through it. And every single case, um, the students have to think about that. And they know that their responsibility to provide information to each other as, as learners um, is almost kind of representative of that. So yeah, that's my, and this, these are some of our resources that um, will support the students and other people who are interested in our type of learning. It might help to help understand it. And thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. That was fantastic. It's very exciting to hear about these these um, changes, especially having a, a person who's gone all the way through who knows who it what it really feels like. So thank you so much for that. I just need to do a quick shout out to some of our participants, and that's Glennon, now Ebe, Ebe, I think it's pronounced, who's watching from Peru. Hello. And <laughs> Cynthia Murinjotti from Bangladesh. Hi, Cynthia, wow. and Lisa Chama from Australia. Hello. <laughs> Hello from all of us. <laughs> it's nice to know that people from all over the, the world are listening in, and that's fantastic. We've had a lot of very complimentary things being said. Um, we've got one person, Leslie Tone says, amazing. And, and then she says, what support is meant, what support stroke mentorship is available? So do you want me to maybe answer? And, yeah, that would be um, good, Anna. We've, we've, we've tried to make sure that, like Sherilyn mentioned, that this programme is supported with, um, it's not just about it being high challenge for the student, but very high support. So we have a framework of support for students that involves session facilitators moment to moment facilitators but also module leaders who can give that guidance and structure and we use Microsoft Teams to give ongoing conversation connection and support and create communities so students like like Sarah said support one another in a peer sense but then around the student there are session leaders module leaders cohort leaders course leaders but then obviously out in the clinical setting we've now got the coaches the supervisors and assessors um, and also rotor makers and practice education facilitators. So we feel that student midwives do get an amazing pastoral experience. I don't know if Sarah, what you feel about that in terms of support. Absolutely. I can categorically say it's, it's like no other type of education I've ever had. Um, as a, as a student I felt so well supported I felt like and it, it almost relates back to that cultivating relationships I felt like the type of care we should be provided to women was demonstrated to us through our um our, our educational facilitators um, and I think those relationships have continued yeah we we um we did we start the program with a team building event and that I think sets the tone of how we want to reduce the hierarchies and we are peers learning together so we can optimize care for women and babies. And I think everybody in our team, we work really closely together as a group and we try our best as well to support each other. So 
Um, yeah, and I was like Sherilyn as our course leader. You you offer a lot of yeah. that support to us as well, don't you? We do, yeah, we do look after each other and support. And I think we've introduced, we used to just do that team building element at the beginning of the programme in year one to set them up to be able to work in their case-based learning groups. But what we found was that actually it was really beneficial to do that each year. So we've introduced that now. So each year group, so they do another team building session that's facilitated by our outdoor um our just work team from UCLan and they do loads of different activities and we all join those and get involved with them and I think the fact that we are so I feel like we get to know them because we're facilitating those sessions so you're sort of part of their group and you're giving them ideas or suggesting things and saying how they could do something differently and they'll contact you or message you and say well I'm really struggling I can't find this or do you think I'm going off on a tangent if I talk about this and do you think that'll be all right you know and so we're sort of involved in the process you know we're not just sending them away on their own to do it <clears throat> I think that's great I mean I love the way Sarah said your midwife to the students because mm -hmm. I think that that sort of says it all I mean and I suppose with that last question I was thinking how how do the midwives do the midwives feel supported sufficiently because it is very different and for some of them who maybe not like Sarah who haven't been kind of brought up in that way how how do they cope with this different kind of training mm -hmm. themselves I don't know. I don't know whether who would best be answering that one, really. Well, I I, I think if 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 you don't mind like me taking it, because I I would say that my colleagues who weren't who when I went out into practice, my colleagues who weren't educated in that way always had so much positive feedback about the students and said it's incredible what the students know, and they would say, "Oh, the students, you know, she told me such and such a thing about you know the latest research, and and that it's always been incredibly positive." And they would say that UCLan students are, are so good, and it was simply because of this like this approach to learning, this mm. autonomy of learning, obviously then translated into practice. And I think it, it reflects very well as opposed to just starting with normal birth and you know mm. moving curriculum. That because it reflected what, what students were seeing in practice, mm. it, it made it very cohesive. So yeah, I, f I felt like the feedback was always really positive. Fabulous. So I, I need that was a wonderful answer. Thank you very much, Sarah. I'm going to just go. I'm looking here because this is where the questions come to me because I have two screens here. So uh, so that was Leslie. And then Sheila Stewart Brown says, is the, is the feedback student provided about the cases formative or is it marked? That's a good question. A really good question. It is a really good question because it's been something we've struggled with so currently it's formative so they yeah. do all of this extra work and they invest huge amounts of time in it and they get the feedback they sort of use it a little bit because they align it with their portfolios that they mm. use as one of their summative assessments but moving forward we feel the students are very much fed back to us they want some credit for this they want some summative element not all of it all the time you know every week but they want some elements to actually count towards you know the, the grades that they're going to get at the end for their assessment purposes so as part of our new curriculum that we've designed the way we've written the assessment strategy for the modules is much more flexible um, and inclusive um, and adaptable so rather than being just pure exams or pure essays and assignments and written work um, and we will introduce um, 
a set of summative element as part of that project that will oh. align with the case-based learning so that they can then choose one of the sessions they're going to do to be a summative bit of assessment. Fabulous. That's fabulous. Because it is always hard, and especially when you were describing the work the students do, mm. it's very hard because I know the students tend to focus on the things that are going to get a grade, yeah. which is fair enough because you, they put a lot of working but that's that sounds fantastic i've got a comment from ashley lay tom thom, thom. we know ashley. ashley ashley hi ashley and she says i'm a first year student at UCAN, and i'm loving it oh, we good. did our first cbl last couple of weeks and it's been so helpful in my learning technique fantastic Excellent. and then we have a comment from joanne stennett Thompson as an ex-nurse I feel maternity education is far superior to the way I was taught as a nurse such a, a much better experience and more opportunity to be autonomous practitioner well maybe the nursing is changing too because I think mm -hmm. one of the things about COVID is we are being forced to look at things differently and it, it's sometimes that people are doing a lot of zoom conferences or zoom um sessions but also people are being creative to make sure students are supported properly i mean i did have a question and i can ask this what would you what do you do if you have and you, you made it sound so the students are fantastic i bet they are fantastic and they all work really hard but what do you do if one student in a little group isn't quite pulling their weight and the other three or four students are doing all the work how does that, does that happen or do you, and can you deal with it? It does, and we can. Um, so yeah, they're not all angels, they're amazing, they do everything all the time. Um, initially, it depends on the situation, the students themselves in their peer groups might manage that situation or deal with it. But if they come to us today, and, and often you get a feel for who's contributed mm. most or who's done the most amount of work. And that's why we try to have some continuity through the thread of who facilitates the groups. So you know what they did last time and then you can give them that constructive feedback that it was a bit short, you could have done a bit more content, you needed to add a bit more mm. detail. But if they're still not, then we would meet with them on a one-to-one -one and say that, you know, it is a compulsory element and that, you know, that they need to, to you know, to up their, their game really. Um, and quite often, I think when they watch other people, they pick up good ideas from other people as well. So mm. it's all about kind of thinking, oh, yeah, well, I'll try that. Or, or will you help me then? Because I'm really struggling. I don't know how to do mm. a Prezi or I've never done one before. I really struggle with the IT. And we often have that. So you'll find sometimes one person in the group collates it all or does a lot, but they'll do a bit of teaching as well on how to do those things. Or mm. will you do it next time? And, you know, and you upload that presentation. So I think generally we iron it out quite quickly and they all um, they all equally contribute. And that, sounds, that sounds great, actually, because that, that may, means you, you're less likely to get a bad student mm. that's, that, that everyone focuses the bad things about. Exactly, yeah. and we pick it up sooner. So if somebody genuinely does need some support, yeah. we feel that we pick that up quite quickly and we can try and work with them and have a bit more freedom and time to work with yeah. that student um, to kind of help them resolve that moving forwards. But they've got, instead of just one teacher at the front for a module, they, they're, they're all teachers for each other. So if, you know, it's that's one of the really special things about it, I think, is that horizontal support that's, yeah. um, but it's not always easy and students can feel burnt out and tired. So mm. but that's why we try and put a lot of support in place. Yeah. 
but we also feel that it's important we once got feedback saying it's a do-it-yourself course this and and I can remember thinking well actually it's going to be a do-it-yourself midwife and we liken that to the Teo teaching of leadership that you want women to, at the end of their birth to say I did it myself and we want people at the end of our course to say we did it ourselves but it, yeah I think I think that's quite I mean that's interesting isn't it because it's a bit like you know sometimes self-directed learning when people describe it it's the do-it-yourself but I know that what you what comes over is the teamwork of the teaching team as well as the students and I know that that doesn't come it doesn't mean that you you're lolling about all the time because there's a lot of work (laughs) in doing these case studies and case scenarios it's an enormous amount of work and I feel very frustrated because the time has run out of us. Now, there's oh. just to let everybody know, because I could listen for hours to this, this little trio and we will have them back again a bit later. Maybe we'll take a different facet from mm-hmm. what they're doing. Somebody has said, will this be rolled out to all universities? Well, some bits of it are. I mean, each university will have their different approach. But it may well be because midwife teachers are very interested in making sure their students get the best. So when they see this, they'll start thinking and they'll maybe and we're open be in to touch. sharing. Yeah, I know it. I know it as always. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you to Sarah and Sherilyn and Anna for being such a fantastic trio and sharing their experience. We have to move on and we have to come to an end. But just to say. Next week, we have a bit of caring for yourself and others. We've got Jenny, the midwife, and Maeve O'Connor, who's from Cardiff, who's otherwise known as the lovely Maeve. Mm. And, and so that'll be really a slightly different focus, but that's good. It's, we'll, we need to look after ourselves and others. And just to remind people, we've got the Scottish Festival coming on on the 25th of November all day. It's free to attend. It's online book now and don't forget and for those of you who are very efficient and looking at next year's diary oh I can't I can't even think about it yet the 13th of January 2021 London but it's online again and we've got um, the wonderful professor Jacqueline Dunkley Bent chief midwife there with us if you are undertaking a project an innovation this might be for my little friends here as well innovation <laughs> a, a project or a practice innovation put a paper in about it because we're we're looking for papers for uh, January at the moment and you can be there starring online and that would be fantastic the All-Ireland festivals on the 9th of February also so if you're if you again if you're not quite ready put in a paper for that we're always welcome interesting papers and interesting midwives actually And in the meantime, I'd like to say thank you to our lovely speakers and our participants for joining us this week. Stay well, stay safe, look after yourselves and your loved ones. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.